Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Welcome to this week's Smallest Cast Podcast. This podcast is designed for small government contractors, service providers, and manufacturers, part of the government contractor ecosystem, connecting people, organizations, and resources. Uh, I'm your host, Just Nate, and this week I have, uh, let's see, we've got Dennis DK on the line. Welcome, DK. Thanks, Nate. And sitting next to me in the office today, I've got a Mr. M. David uh, Stonger. 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 Okay, I, I got it right. You did? Um, and he is the owner of M. David Consulting. So uh, no surprises there. Nope. Straightforward. Okay. Well, welcome in. Thank you. And thanks, thanks, for, for, and thanks for coming in person. Yeah, thanks for having me. We really enjoy doing these in person much better than on the phone. Right, Dennis? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dennis had a flat tire. He got stuck. I don't know. I'm making stuff up for him. Um, protecting him. He's my buddy. A likely story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> tell me what is M. David Consulting? Yeah. So I am a consulting psychologist. And a lot of times people ask me, cool, what the heck is that? So I'm just going to say, don't psychoanalyze us, though, because no. we might have a problem. No, 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 no. So uh, as a consulting psychologist, what I do is I focus on executive coaching. I focus on team building and I focus on culture. So I really try and help and solve interpersonal problems, human issues for businesses. And that's everybody from small businesses, small government contractors, all the way up to the big boys, big corporations. Okay. So you are kind of, so I'm curious, why do you use the word psychologist? Are, are you actually a psychologist? Yeah, I'm a PhD psychologist. Okay. There, that's why you, that's why he uses the word. <laughs> Well, okay. So, Dennis, I'm sitting next to a doctor. Now I feel really stupid. Watch out. He's going to start wondering about you. <laughs> well, that's... If he starts taking notes, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Hey, please call me for a free consultation. <laughs> listen, listen. If I, start to, if I start taking notes, you got more problems than that. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm just saying he did not ask for me to pull the couch into this room. So, we're good, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> No couches. On that I just need a couch. Hey, so, so David, talk to us a little more about uh, executive counseling. What does he do? So, you know, I'm just, we're just hearing about you. Uh, we have a business. And uh, what can you help us with? How does that work? And how does it work? 
Yeah. So with the executive coaching, I mean, it's really kind of coaching is a broad um, umbrella. So it can be for new right. managers. It can be for um, building leadership. It can be for someone that maybe they're making a transition into a new role. It can be somebody in the C-suite, middle management. Um, there's a lot of different folks folks that can really benefit from coaching. And a lot of it is very goal centered. So you pick something that you want to do, you pick something that you want to work on, and then you lay out what the steps are to get from where you are to where you want to be. <laughs> and then you start working on it. So it's, it's so you're, you're focusing specifically on on the leader on the CEO or whomever it is. It's not like you're focusing on a group, a team, you're focusing on the person or is it like a more of a group thing? So that's the next level. So individual being the smallest level and then the groups and the teams are one of the other levels that I work with. So a lot of it is much uh, about what level do you want to make your intervention for? If you have somebody maybe that is struggling just by themselves and the team is pretty good, then you can focus on the individual. But if the team is just not performing, they're not up to snuff, we can focus on the team as well. It really just depends on, you know, again, where do you want to start? Where do you believe the problem is? And a lot of this is very data-driven. It has to be. You have to get information. Okay. You had said three things, right? I think three things. Uh, one of them was culture. What were the other two? Yeah, teams and individuals. Okay, so teams and individuals. And let's walk through those. So do you prefer to teams or individuals, or is it dependent upon the company itself? What I'll focus on. Yeah, it really depends on you know, <coughs> what the level of um, interaction is going to be, right? I mean, if if it's a small company with five people, and maybe it's you know, hey, how are we all working together? Or maybe it's I just hired this person and they need help. The other four are veterans and have been around for twenty years, right? So it really just depends, you know, case by case, what do they need, and why do they think they need it? Okay, so. Uh, and then you you bring in culture. Um, on the last podcast we did we did um, he he had talked about culture as well. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite uh, podcasting uh, events that we had, we brought in Rich Sheridan, who's the author of uh, Joy Inc. and hmm. Chief Joy Officer. Mm -hmm. And he's the CEO of a company called Mental Innovations out of Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that's what he's. It's all about culture for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why he talks about joy in the culture and joy in the workplace because you spend more time here than even at home. So I yeah. thought that was very interesting. You actually had that as, as one of your top three. Yeah, and culture is tremendously important, and I think for a lot of people it can be very hard to find. You know, I mean, it could be something, uh, it almost feels ethereal at times, like, oh, I, you know, I can't touch culture, right? I can't point to it, but yet somehow it's having this massive influence on my company, on what we do, on how we interact, on how we all have a shared vision or don't, right? And so that sense of how do we intentionally build something that we can all buy into that affects our behavior in a positive way, right? That sets out potentially norms, rules, ways of being in that space that you spend eight hours a day in at least, if not yeah. more. Right. Yeah. And so how can you build something that is shared, but at the same time supports the overall destination of where you want to go? Okay. So what, what is your process for bringing on people? I mean, so first of all, how big is M David consulting? It's just me. M M David. That's correct. Okay. So it's you. So you don't have to ask permission. Correct. Okay. Um, what's the process to get started? Yeah. So the first thing that I do is an in-depth analysis, 
right? I need to know what I'm getting into and I need to know what you think is going on. Okay. And if, again, if we're talking about, is this a culture analysis? Is this, a, you know, team analysis? Is this individual, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. So we, we kind of take a, a basic 30,000 foot overview where you're at, and then we go ahead and decide what the focus is going to be. Most folks tend to focus, want to focus on one, right? A lot of times you start with one and then you're like, oh man, maybe we could do some of this. Oh, you know what? We should probably do some of this too. So a lot of times it starts with one thing okay. and then kind of expands into the rest. So let's just, let's, let's go down the rabbit hole of an individual. Okay. If it's an individual, do companies tend to, is, is there insurance that can cover this? Because you are a licensed and PhD psychiatrist? Psychologist. Psychologist. So, no. And the reason for that is because this isn't therapy. This okay. is specific individual coaching. Coaching and therapy share a little bit of overlap. I am a licensed therapist within the state of Colorado, but I don't cross the streams, right? Okay. So, therapy is very much a focused activity on the individual. And you do also have goals, and that's where some of the, the overlap com comes in. But kind of what the therapeutic relationship looks like versus what the coaching relationship looks like is different. There's a depth, there's a willingness to go to places, there's the potential for digging up things that maybe you didn't necessarily want to do before, which is part of why you're in therapy, right? Okay. Coaching is very much end driven, right? Let's say I want to get better with procrastination. I want to be better at task completion. Okay, cool. Here's how we do that. Here's the first four steps. We're going to do homework. We're going to follow this one, two, three, four. It's short. It tends to be solution focused, right? And we're checking in all the while. Okay. It, so it's so, less of a fishing expedition if you want to think of it that way. But in the example you had gave, you had, you had said, well, maybe you, you have a problem with a new employee. That mm -hmm. new employee needs some, some leadership coaching or some mm -hmm. coaching. Um, I would assume they have to have buy into this as well. Yeah. Because if not, they're just going to be like pushing back, like, screw this, I'll go find a new job. Right, absolutely. And so it's critical to have everybody understand what the expectations are, what their roles are, and then sort of who is reporting to who, right? So as the coach, I have to be able to say ethically, okay, here's what's in the contract, here's what's in the agreement. Here is what I will report to the superior, here's what I won't, right? Yeah. Here's what falls in the realm of confidential, because that's what we agree to, versus here's what I have to report up the chain because this is the boss, this is the client, this is the person sure. who's paying me, right? Yeah. So as long as everybody understands, here's where I'm at, here's what the framework is, then you can get to work. Now, dealing with resistance, again, somebody who's like, I don't need coaching, I'm fine, they're the ones who are wrong. I mean, that's telling in and of itself, but at the same time, dealing with something like that, you have to go in with your eyes open, right? Okay. You have to understand, like, listen, I've been contracted to do this thing. So let's talk together about, is there anything that you want to work on? So it's not necessarily coming in saying like, your boss has said, we're going to work on procrastination. By God, we're going to work on procrastination. That's just not how it and works. You better have it done by tomorrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No putting it off. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to work. Okay. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Dennis, you got to help me out here. I'm uh well, I was going to ask what kind of generalized, you kind of hit on a couple, but like, what are the kind of like generalized topics that companies or people have had you come in to work on? Um, and any, and any stories there? Um, I'm just curious as to kind of like <clears throat> what your customer base sort of looks like so that if we have folks out there that um, are listening right now, what, what would perk their interest of, you know, Hey, I, I need some of this. And we don't need names. Sure. To protect the innocent. Absolutely. And keep license. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, so my specialty focus, my, my niche is with aerospace engineering and technology companies. 
Um, so I, I work on the front range, um, but I'm, you know, I'm open to working interna- internationally, domestically, et cetera, et cetera, uh, especially with remote work and things like that. So um, I'm an Air Force veteran myself, so I'm very familiar with military contracting. I've also worked as a contractor. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And it's one of those things where understanding that ecosystem. Uh, it's a definitely an ecosystem. Yeah, it, it's... It's its own special thing, right? And so, underst- yeah. So, understanding that is something, and that's part of the reason why I specialize in it is because I already speak the language. I speak mill speak, you know, which is its own dialect. Um, so, kind of moving into that specialty area of engineering, aerospace technology, um, those are the types of folks that I really enjoy working with. Um, I'm I'm married to an aerospace engineer. My wife, um, we've been together for gosh, going on sixteen years now. So. I live with this kind of stuff as well, right? So it's very much a, a kind of a second nature thing, building the communication, helping engineers be more kind of interpersonally savvy, if you will, right? Kind of how to bridge the gap between all of the, um, maybe the interpersonal things that aren't necessarily so obvious. Okay. Um, so working with those kind of things, right? Hey, can you help this guy be a little bit less blunt and a little bit more um, tactful <laughs> in expressing him or herself? Sure, absolutely. I can definitely tell he's worked in the aerospace engineering. <laughs> so do you do you get like so do you get like hey can you come help this guy or do you get hey can you help me like if I'm the CEO or you know can you help me to convey my message better or you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand what kind of things do you help people with? The answer to that is yes. I, I mean, it, it really is. Changes. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. Yeah. Um, it changes from company to company. It changes, you know, with who's asking, and it changes with the why. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a consulting psychologist, we're trained um, to be able to gather data and use that information to formulate um, the proper responses, the proper course of action to take that is going to lead to a desired outcome. And that desired outcome is something that has to be shared and built together. You know, I can't just come in and be like, you need to do X. Here's my book. I guess it's not going to work, you know, and there are plenty of, and frankly, there are plenty of experts that do that, sadly enough, right? Because it's a one size fits all model. And mine is absolutely boutique. I mean, it's very much, I'm a one man show. And so I'm going to come in and it's a bespoke answer. I was going to say, I was going to use that word. I, I knew he was going to use the word bespoke. First time I ever heard that word is like last year when Samson started selling refrigerators that was bespoke. I'm like, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, not a PhD. No, well, I mean, it, it, coming from where um, I learned about it in the fashion industry, right, where you get a, a bespoke suit that is fitted just to you on the day of the fitting. And so you look like a million dollars in it because it only fits you. Yeah. Right. And that so, day. That day. Right. <laughs> so, hey, listen, you know, you go on an eating binge, you, you, you get fitted before Thanksgiving. You're probably going to have to come back for some alterations. That's Let's right. be real. Okay. Um, so that that's. So, so how long. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I can say how long typically, I mean, I guess you're kind of all over the place, but typically how long is the you work with the client? Is it, you know, one time, I'm guessing it's not a one-time thing. You want to work with them, you know, to resolve the issue. So how long typically is, uh, you know, the, it's the process? Yeah. So it, the, the duration of how long I'm going to work with the company often varies um, based on what they believe the problem to be 
and sort of what their buy-in is going to be. So if we go in and, and they're like, listen, we need you to help us build and or fix the culture. That is a long-term thing. Culture, that's like changing course on an aircraft carrier. Yeah. That thing is slow. Yeah, I think Dennis and I have talked about that a lot over the past couple of years. I think you have to build that from the beginning. You can change it, uh, but I think it's much easier if you strategically build it from the beginning. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if, if you have culture in mind with not just, you know, vision, value, goals, blah, blah, blah. Not not the stuff that you put on paper. That's right. That's shiny. The actual culture. Right. What is lived. What is the lived experience exactly. day to day. And if you go in with that and you have a clear idea of how you want not just people to feel, but how you want them to act, how you're hoping for them to interact. And then that's something that you take stock of frequently. Well, one of the examples, and, and it's. Culture to me also goes with managing people's expectations um, of, of that culture, right? Elon Musk just bought, bought, bought Twitter, right? He literally within the first week stated, look, I want to pay all of you guys, but if you want to work for me, I'm even putting in cots at the office because I expect you guys to work 80 hours a week. There's your expectation, and that's going to be the culture. Don't try to change it afterwards because he's already set expectations of what the culture is going to be. Whether it's good culture, bad culture, whatever, that's another debate. But at least expectations have been set, I think. Yeah, and I, and I think with that, I think Twitter's a really fascinating look at culture because it had such an intricate established culture, right? Very much so. And Elon coming in as kind of an iconoclast, right? A guy that was known for disruption, that was known for shaking things up, right? He came in and he's done exactly that, right? But when you are trying to come into something and set your own culture, right, on, especially in a place that has had its own established culture for years, right? I mean, the people that you know, reading, I mean, I'm, I don't know anybody person that's worked at Twitter, but kind of reading the, the behind the scenes looks, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff. I, I just think it's fascinating about how strong of an effect the culture has. Setting it up, what's established, trying to change it, what that looks like, what the, rea- like what the, the downstream effects are. I, I, think, I think he did it right, though, by coming in like day one, literally guns ablaze and saying, okay, I get you guys have had this culture. But here's my new culture. Either take it or buy, right? I mean, that's I, I, I respect the man for that, for that very reason, right? Um, the, is there other ways to go about it? Yes, but is it going to take a lot longer? Yes. Um, like you said, trying to change culture is a lot more difficult. So, um, yeah. So, okay, so you, it, it's, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Sure. And when we come back, let's, we'll get back into the bespoke side. We'll be right back. Business owners, looking for out-of-the-box solutions? Five Star Bank's Business Solutions Group is here to help you with all your financing needs. When you need a creative, innovative approach that goes beyond traditional solutions, think of Five Star Bank. We care about the growth of our local business community. With offices in Colorado Springs, Denver, and Trinidad, Five Star Bank is easy to find. Visit fivestar.bank to connect with us today. That's the number five, S-T-A-R dot bank. Equal housing lender member FDIC. Now back to the show. Welcome back to this week's Smallest Cast podcast. Uh, I'm here with Mr. M. David uh, from out of M. David Consulting. We got uh, DK on the line. Welcome back, everybody. Are you back, Dennis? Thanks, Nate. <laughs> I'm back. I, I'm just waiting for you to use bespoke in a sense now. Bespoke. <laughs> I saw bespoke 
on <laughs> Samson.com's website. Is that a sentence? Is that a full sentence? I guess. I, I, I think it counts. It, it counts to me. Um, I asked for a bespoke refrigerator, but my boss turned me down. There you go. That's two Ooh, sentences. My job. Drop. Pen drop right there. I dropped the mic, but they're too expensive. So um, anyway, um, welcome back. Uh, so, David, we, we were talking through the consulting, and you say it's kind of more of a um, one, one plan doesn't fit all. Everyone's going to be completely different. So your business model, I, and Dennis and I are always very interested in, in small businesses like yours. I'm assuming you're a small business. Yep. Um, uh, everybody chooses a different model. So I'm assuming, are, are you like an hourly like an hourly wage or do you change your hourly wage for each different scenario or how does that work? No. So I, I have set packages okay. for kind of how to engage with me. So if you're looking for, you know, a, um, if you're looking for culture, that's going to be a flat rate, longer term um, package. If you're looking for uh, leadership or management training, that's one package. If you're looking for um, X amount of sessions of uh, coaching, that's another kind of thing. So okay. yeah, that's generally how I do it. And then if you want to, um, if you want to engage at multiple levels, then that's something that we can talk and I can absolutely move the numbers around to make sure that we can engage at that level. Okay. Um, Dennis, this is usually the part of the show that you kind of ask, uh, your tools questions. What do you got? My tools question. I haven't asked the tools question in a long time, Nate. I know. Um, so, uh, I actually have a friend who uh, is a business psychologist as well. Um, he was developing an app, and I think I just deleted it off my phone about a week ago, which I'm kicking myself in the head for right now. Um, but he was developing it to um, – it was using um, algorithms where, you know, you're having a problem with X, um, and so you fill out some information on X, and then really it turns itself back into the problem isn't uh, the other person really – it's you. Yes, it's about me. Um, but it turned it kind of back on its head is how do you respond to the problem versus, you know, it's the other person's problem and they're, you're responding to that. Um, is that something kind of like same lines you're focusing on? You know, how do you, how do you work on yourself or, you know, to, uh, to address the problems or, you know, kind of what's your model for, for doing this stuff? So, I, I mean, I certainly think that there are some things where, you know, if you want to qualify it as a quote unquote, that's a you problem, you know, that I, I think yeah. those, those things certainly exist. I've never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think there's also, and this is something, you know, directly from psychology, it's, in, it's called an interaction effect, right? Okay. Where there is, you can statistically measure changes, whether that's you're measuring behavior, you know, whatever kind of mount outcome you're measuring, right? If you can look at and say, okay, variable A, you know, does this thing. Variable B does this thing. Those two are separate. Variable A plus variable B does this wildly different C outcome. Well, that's an interaction effect. So A by itself does this. B by itself does this. C is this interaction, right? And so I think when you look at interactions, more broadly in companies in terms of their policies, if you look at it in terms of one-to-one -one interactions, how teams work, things start getting more and more complicated the more interactions that you have. And so breaking down like, hey, this person in this situation is probably going to behave this way. They might not, right? But their past behavior would indicate that eh, there's a decent chance they're going to be kind of something in this area, something along these lines. This person over here tends to react differently. They 
you know, act in this particular way. Now you put the two of them together and it's gasoline and matches. Very interesting. Um, I've been through, so background, full disclosure, I am an engineer. So when you were talking ABC there, I literally was thinking A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, but I've been in lots of situations where I am not the type of engineer that um, would look down upon a technician. I, 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 my entire career growing up through the engineering side of things, I, you'd see some engineers that would just be very loud, very outspoken, and very much about, you're an idiot, you have to say what I do, what I, what I, what I tell you to do because I'm the engineer. You're just a technician, you're just whatever. I, well, so when I first saw that, I was like, well, is that how engineers should act? I'm like, no, I'm gonna try the other way of making those technicians, as an example, uh, my best friends, right? Hey, look, I know that I'm an engineer, but you are the technicians, you are the ones installing, you are the ones that haven't fixed it. I'm going to give you a design. Please tell me and redline it if I need to make change. Now, if you have a suggestion that I don't incorporate, please accept that though as well, because there might be other things going on that you are not aware of that I have to make that decision, right? So I think it's, it's I don't know, I guess adulthood to me of just making sure as you grow up, if don't treat everybody like that just because you, you think your way is better than everybody else's way. Right, and wouldn't it be nice if everybody acted like that? Yeah, wouldn't it be? <laughs> so, but how, how do you get through that? I mean, I think the step one, though, is they have to be willing. Absolutely. That's, that's oh. the big step. Oh, yeah. I love talking about will willingness. I mean, I, one, of the, one of the kind of approaches um, that I'd used previously as a therapist, and I've certainly taken from that, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, and a lot of that is about being willing to embrace different feelings, different thoughts, to look at something as it is rather than as you would like it to be, right? Without judgment, without labeling, et cetera, et cetera. And so, Which is tough. I don't care who you are, right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, so hard. So I think that willingness, right? And you combine the willingness with insight of, oh, man, I really am doing that thing. Okay, I'm open to change. I'm willing to try this new thing. Yeah. Is it uncomfortable? Sure. Yeah. Do I like it? No, uh -uh, I don't like it at all. Okay. But if we have that background of insight and willingness, then we can talk about behavior change. Then we can talk about, okay, well, what would be better here, right? We know what you've done. We know how that's gone for you. So let's try something different. Okay. You're open to that. Fantastic. Well, what might be something that you could try? All right. Well, let's build on that. Have, what about this? Mm, that's interesting. Well, let's go get some data. Let's go try it. Let's see what that looks like. And so some folks are going to get it instantly and they can make bigger jumps. Sure. Other folks, it's going to be more incremental, right? And it just varies person to person. And so you have to be able to understand, okay, how fast can we go, right? Yeah. How much can we read this? Everyone's going to be different. Absolutely. How fast some can we? Some people are just going to quit and not, never be seen again, probably. Yep. Yep. Um, so do you, as you're doing these consulting scenarios, um, do you, do you use like self-help books or any self-help tools that you'd recommend? Yeah. So one of the ones that I really enjoy, um, it's called get out of your mind and get into your life. Um, okay. and that is a, that is an acceptance commitment book, but I like a lot of the principles of it, uh, principles of it. Um, and you don't have to be, it's not a strict therapy book. It's got a lot of wisdom in it for things that you can apply in your life, even if it's just one or two things that you take from it. I really love it. I think that that's really good, though, to get out of Yeah, I like that. Like get out of your mind and into your life. Yeah, and the author is Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S. Dennis, have you read that one? Dennis? No, but I did write it down. <laughs> Sorry. No. 
So, uh, so did I. So Dennis and I are both connoisseurs of self-help books. Um, kind of that, that book series that I was telling you about, Joy, Inc. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful book. Um, and it's all about culture, creating a culture that people want to be here, right? It's, it's more that family culture. And we've actually done that here at my, in my day job, um, created a culture from the ground up. Uh, and to me, it, the benefit of it, it took a little while to see the benefit of it. But now it's, it, the benefit is almost unstoppable. It's, it's amazing the difference between if you walk into a big boy contractor, I don't care what, which one you call it, not to, not to say anything negative about them, but you get more of that, the big boy feel. You get that feel of, okay, I'm a number, right? Because I am, I'm one of 40,000 engineers. Um, I'm not one of 10 engineers working for this small business. Um, but I think if somebody as a small company would develop that culture from the beginning, bring somebody like you in, to actually chat and, and understand how that process works um, and then grow that company with that, that information and that mentality in the background, I think it would be a, a very, very powerful thing to do. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I love being able to see the levers being pulled and sort of the slow, the slow motion of the kind of, you know, locks, everything kind of locking into place and starting to move and roll. I, it, it's it's nice kind of being able to step back and see that as it actually develops and processes and moves. Yeah. It, at least it makes you feel good at night too. Then. Yeah. It's, and I mean, one of the things that I like about this gig versus, you know, kind of therapy, especially in more kind of clinic or, or big hospital settings is that ability to see the change, you know, and to enact the change. Cause when you're in a big system, like you said, you're a number, you can be a cog, et cetera. And so here it's like, no, let's consciously decide that we want to change. And here's our end goal. And let's take specific steps every day to make that happen. Can we guarantee the outcome? Absolutely not. Right? Future's uncertain. We can only do our best. That's right. You can have a plan. You can plan it out all you like, but you still have to have the willingness of everybody to, to help make that plan come to fruition. So. Absolutely. Okay, Dennis, what, else, what are kind of questions you got for him? Um, well, I did look up uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Ari Ziv. Uh, the tool he had is called Complexibility. And uh, again, this sounds, what uh, uh, David is doing is somewhat similar to that, where, you know, he's working with companies trying to figure out um, kind of how he can help folks. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I will call it de-escalation, right, of, you know, uh, thoughts or, um, kind of how things evolve. I, I just dealt with that a bit today as I'm in a room with a couple of folks and it starts getting a little heated and I was trying to de-escalate things and, you know, kind of change the direction and the tone of the conversation. One, to find some common ground so we could work on it, but two, kind of take that edge off the conversation because I wanted to get to um, actually solving the problem versus, you know, getting stuck in things. And so I think, you know, working with uh, a consultant like David is very important for companies, especially if there is tension or even if, you know, you are self-aware that um, you need some help to work on things. I think more so probably, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, it, it's going to be, hey, we got issues in the workplace that we've, we've got some tension. We've probably got a bunch of brilliant minds and we get a bunch of brilliant minds together. As you guys have noted, people sort of, I don't know, they rub each other or they try to posture. And um, so you kind of got to get past that. So I think, I think having somebody like David to kind of come in as a 
uh, outsider can sometimes help diffuse that. Is that what you kind of find yourself, David? Yeah, I mean, diffusing, I would say, is is one of the aspects of things that I do, especially if it, if it is already at the kind of red line point. You know, I, 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 I like working before we get to that point, right? Because it's, you know, people tend to be a lot less stubborn and a lot less dug into their positions, um, you know, but if you can do it before we get to that point. Yeah, and I don't... Do you, do, you get, do you get to do that a lot or is it the other way? I, I would assume yeah. that when they bring you in, there's already, there's, you know, the egg's cracking already. Um, I would say I think there are often identified problems, but I would say it isn't crazy common. It's not an all the time thing where people are at each other's throats. Mm. It's, I tend to be mm. much more in the, um, Hey, we've got a problem. Yeah. Like, Hey, we've got a problem here. I could see this really blowing up, but we're not there yet. Can we, can we head this off? That's usually where I come in. Okay. So, okay. The, the start of the cancer. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's not stage four. It's not stage four. <laughs> well, no, I, to be honest with you, I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been through scenarios as, as a, as a technical person. Um, that's what we would call that type of person is, is a cancer in the team. And if that person is allowed to keep acting the way he or she is acting, um, you're going to lose most of your team because people won't put up with it. Right. So either you fix that somehow and by bringing you in or you get rid of that person or you're going to lose your team. And, and you know, the saying goes, people don't leave jobs. They leave other people. Yeah. And, and it's so true. I mean, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee you've had a bad boss, Right. I, I've had bad bosses, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's really hard to get through your entire adult working life without having a bad boss. Yep. And so yeah. if you can get to that point where you can identify, man, this is, this person's not working. Now it's not necessarily that the person themselves is um, unskilled or that they will never be able to work again or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, yeah. it might just be that they're a terrible fit for that team or that culture. Exactly. That team or that culture. I was just going to say that. So, yeah. Um, so, so David, how do people get a hold of you? Is there a website? Is there a, how do people find you? Yeah. So my website is com. Original. Very, very straightforward. <laughs> um, the other thing is uh, you can just email me directly if you've got any questions a and wait for this one. Hang on. Consulting at protonmail.com. I know this is. Oh, wait, now you threw a protein proton. You should have done M. David Consulting at mdavidconsulting.com. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's just too many consultings. Yeah. I know. That's a lot. They cancel each other out at that point, I think. <laughs> so it's pro, at proton what? At protonmail.com. Protonmail. Okay. So I want to bring you back to, do you, do you focus? You said you, you kind of like to focus on the aerospace engineering. Do you find those types of people, us type of people, more difficult or? Um, I, I think it really is about, do you understand the language, right? I mean, again, my wife's an engineer. I've been dealing with her company and going to their get togethers and everything like this. She's been at the same place, I think for a dozen years now at least. And so, I, I mean, it, it feels normal to me. It feels like secondhand and it's just like a glove, right? And so part of why I wanted to specialize is because it's so simple. Now for somebody that hasn't lived with that, understood that doesn't have the same kind of military and aerospace background to it. It might feel very awkward and like, man, what is with these people? <laughs> it's like I'm surrounded by a bunch of Sheldon Coopers. What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, as long as you understand your audience, right. And you understand kind of their worldview, the, the quirks, the strengths, the weaknesses, all that other kind of stuff like that, then I think you can really get, um, 
you can really get ahead in those places. I think I think you have to understand them, right? Because if you if you go into as a, I don't know a company full of salesmen, their quirks are going to be way different than the quirks of engineers, guaranteed. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. And one of the things, so if I am called in those kinds of places, right? If I'm called to a small business and they do like I don't know sales and shipping or something like that, one of the first things I do is tell me about your job, right? Tell me tell me everything. I want to be a sponge. I want to absolutely learn everything as much as I can about that culture, that place, those folks, all that stuff. So then I can go in and say, okay, well, how does this apply here? You know, you you told me this and I think that's great, but here's what I'm seeing. Help me out here. Yeah. You know, so that I can really connect with them where they're coming from and really try and bridge the gap so that my expertise is applied in the most appropriate way. Sure. You have to understand both sides. Yeah. is, Is the key. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, this is a lot. Um, Dennis, you got any other questions for him? No, but uh, I would highly encourage a lot of businesses to get a hold of David because <laughs> I know there's lots of stuff out there where people can use some assistance. I think a lot of times it's too little, too late, like we talked earlier, right? So I think that's that's what we're trying to say is get out there, contact you, um, go to your website, go to your uh, send you an email, whatever, contact you, and and maybe just get a consultation from you. See what, what how you can be of assistance. Yeah, and and listen, I I love to have coffee virtually in person, depending on where you are, et cetera. You know, let's set up a, a Zoom call or an in-person either way, and let's just sit down and talk. Well, speaking of which, where are you headquartered out of? Or Colorado Springs. You're right, you're, okay, here in Colorado Springs. I'm assuming anywhere up in the front, up and down the front range, you yeah, do business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. if, if you say, hey, listen, I'm in... I don't know Highlands Ranch. Sure, let's go. Let's go get a coffee and talk about what's going on. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on, David. This has been extremely informative. Um, I'm going to go check out the books you recommended, um, Dennis. Um, appreciate you coming on as well. And uh, hope to see you in person again someday with uh, on the video here. Uh, you know, the YouTube channel is kind of wondering where 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 is DK? Where is where in the world is DK? And he's gone. We, we should start a campaign. We should start a campaign. <laughs> is, that, is that the same as like a bet, an online betting program? Where is he? Is he <laughs> really? Is he, is he real or is he AI? I <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, I got a good one. Never mind. I'll work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that's all we had for this week. Um, so we appreciate you coming on, David. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And uh, we hope to see you at a whole bunch of our uh, meetings and uh, events that we're going to have coming up, up and down the front range. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. So with that, I'm going to say sayonara, sayonara, sayonara. Uh, Till next week, uh, this is Just Nate signing off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You've reached the end of another episode of the Smalls Cast podcast. Connect with us at thesmalls.org. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials. See you at the next episode. See you at the next episode.